Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401 885 4209. In Massachusetts, you can reach them at 508 252 3359. Propane Heating and Cooling, it's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24 7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing, ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button, and remember, all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment. It's Propane Plus, and remember with Propane, it's affordable, sustainable, equitable, good for the environment, and now it's renewable. Call Propane Plus today at 401-885-4209. In Massachusetts, call them at 508-252-3359. They're very easy to navigate website. It's propaneplus.com. Propane Plus. Call them 401-885-4209. You're listening to the John DePietro Show, folks. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, dipietro.com. It's Thursday. It's August 4th. And kind of as I predicted, Alex Jones, who's made a lot of uh, outrageous accusations uh, over the years, he is now really finding himself in trouble. Uh, If you saw any of the footage of the courtroom, and I know some people will still stand by him. Every time I mention him, then people will say that he wasn't the only one. Well, why are they just going after him? You know, nothing on exactly what happened with him. But there's just nothing positive about what happened. Uh, the Alex Jones stuff is, it, it, at the very least, it's embarrassing. But I, I just don't know how, however they were operating with InfoWars in the world that he was kind of living in i i think that has come to an end um and and i you know i have i have two paths i could ignore it or as someone that i used to deal with many of you or i don't know how many but a lot of different people would tell me sandy hook was made up they would point to him somebody put out a book that it was fake i mean it it, it just shows you how how outrageous you know this thing couldn't take on and then yesterday there he is in the courtroom. Now, people will say it was manipulated. I already received an email from someone saying they think it, that there was not Alex Jones. It was possibly a, uh, a body double. This was the uh, ABC News report on it. I think we can uh, play this. Theorist Alex Jones and parents of a Sandy Hook victim. For years, he has called the mass shooting of 26 children and staff a hoax. At trial today, he conceded the massacre was 100% real. And while he was on the stand, the family's attorney delivered a stunning twist. Here's ABC's Ariel Reshef. Tonight, that admission from conspiracy theorist and radio firebrand Alex Jones. It was, especially since I've met the parents. And uh, it's, it's, it's 100% real. Finally, acknowledging the tragedy the world witnessed in 2012. 20 elementary school students and six staff gunned down at Sandy Hook. I can't even describe the last nine and a half years of the living hell that I and others have had to endure. The parents of six-year-old Jesse Lewis now seeking $150 million in damages, telling a Texas courtroom that Jones has compounded their anguish by calling the 2012 school massacre a hoax and calling them crisis actors, inciting his millions of followers against them. The parents saying they've endured violence, harassment, and death threats as a result of his toxic rhetoric. Jones shaking his head as Jesse's mom, Scarlett, confronted him directly from the stand. You keep saying it. Why? Why? For money? Throughout his testimony, Jones stating he lost nearly everything after he was banned from Facebook, YouTube, and Apple platforms, his company filing for bankruptcy. But the family's attorney revealing Jones's lawyer mistakenly sent him two years' worth of Jones's text messages, showing Jones's InfoWars businesses brought in roughly $800,000 in one day from sales as he peddled mistruths. Jones claiming in court that number wasn't the norm. On Tuesday, the judge admonishing him. You may not tell this jury that you are bankrupt. That is also not true. You must tell the truth while you testify. This is not your show. 
Lindsay, the jury now has this case. Alex Jones has already been found liable. They will now decide how much to award in damages. Lindsay. Well, again, it's, um, I heard for the longest time from so many different people, and I just wonder now, like, and, and this goes back. Think how long it took to get him uh, into the courtroom. This went on for 10 years. I think one of the things that he did not expect was just how many people, how his crowd would start going after the parents. At that part, I, I don't think they anticipated. It's one thing that they were throwing out this stuff. I, I don't think they believed it. But this whole business of the crisis actors, it was all fake. I remember the first time someone said, oh, yeah, those little, because they had the little white, I mean, I still remember the little white caskets. Oh, those aren't real. No, those are... <clears throat> there were people that were going along with this and it seemed so foreign to me like what are you talking about that but there were people that believed it jones was saying it i think the part that he did not he completely underestimated is that these nutcases that would actually start calling and harassing the parents someone went by and shot up their house saying that they were lying and this was all part of saying it was all part of the uh, plot by the nra to against the NRA, excuse me, to try to take take away uh, weapons and guns. And and that is the part. I think it's one thing they were going off and saying this stuff and it wasn't true. I think they underestimated how people would go after the parents. And then there, he has to sit in the courtroom. And there it is, all these years, 10 years later, and Alex Jones is admitting, okay, actually, you know, it was, it did happen. It was real. There were people, right now there are people shaking their head, I'm sure, listening to the radio. No, it's not. Never happened. All actors. That's not even him. That wasn't him in the courtroom. There are some people, and I think the pandemic's made it even worse. So it's Thursday. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. The Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast, is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Stop it and see them all year round. 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. They're waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Folks, you are listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's a.m. 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, DePietro.com. It's time for our segment, Politics This Week. Joining me right now, he's the managing editor, AnchorRising.com. It is our friend, Justin Katz. Justin, I want to start off this uh, soccer stadium that Governor McKee, surprise, surprise, was the deciding vote on this commerce corporation. And what we're talking about is how much money now that this developer is asking for. Uh, it's It almost seems uncertain. There's more details leaking out how this vote went down. Uh, there's different parts of this that apparently never even happened before. Um, I, I think we, we haven't even, <clears throat> we've hit the tip of the iceberg of just how bad this deal is and, and want to start to get some of your thoughts on this tidewater landing. Well, as, as a starting point, the from the governor's tie-breaking vote, and he's ex officio, which means he doesn't vote on on this commission, yep. but except he can break a tie. You know, as a general rule of thumb, and you would think a kind of business person, may, mayor type of person like McKee would get this. If something is that close, you don't commit tens of millions of dollars yep. to, to to break a tie. I mean, if if right. a special interest can't even get a clear majority on the deciding board then it's just a no. I, I mean, that's just got to be the way. And because one of the reasons you make that a, a rule is you avoid terrible decisions. And this is, you know, it's just very predictable. A few years ago, oh, we've got to do this. We've got to do this for Pawtucket. We've got to have this soccer stadium. They're not, most of the money is going to go to development in the area, not to the right. itself. This isn't a bailout, a subsidy. Yeah, but now you're in bed. Now you're, you've got you're relying on this developer for some kind of activity and you're you're they've got you as a partner and there you go now the government's going to say oh well we, we just transferred some of the money from another part of the project directly to them yeah and then you'll come back in a few years to get that money back or or something else will come up this is just how it happens and it's why government should avoid getting into these subsidized situations if a business can't make it work the business can't make it work i mean that's just yeah. you, you can't sink money because then what you're doing is you're sinking money after something that's 
somebody who has political leverage uh, without regard to their competence or ability to actually perform the project. That's why the market is better than government. But yeah, I'm, I'm, it's another disappointment that McKee would, would do this, although it, it may have secured him some labor union uh, endorsements. So uh, then I guess that's, that's probably part of the reason. Well, and when you look at how this went down, Justin, it just, you know, like a lot of people, not everyone follows the inner workings of the Commerce Board. I don't either. But then more we learn that two people didn't vote and two individuals, uh, Carl Weinstein, who for years marched around announcing he was the one that voted against 38 Studios. He's come up with this thing. Oh, I didn't vote because uh, I got the information late. I didn't get a chance to look at it. Well, five people voted no. You know, I'm just then suspect, and I, I make the comparison to point shaving. Those that knows what point shaving is, big, uh, there have been big, big basketball scandals, college basketball scandals, where they don't tell the team to lose. They just say the line is 10 points, or let, let's just say it's 10 points. So we just need you to win by like, you know, nine points or eight points. You're still going to win the game, but just don't win by like 12 or 15 or more than that. So that's how point shaving. And once you do it once, then they have the hooks into you. So two members of the board, one is an attorney, said, oh, he had a conflict, couldn't vote. But Justin Katz, as far as a conflict, can't vote. Governor McKee that day announced that they were getting the endorsement from the AFL-CIO and sitting next to a meeting at the meeting is, is George Nee, who to me, this is like, an, you know, just another governor, another elected official that he pulls the strings it's like a puppet. And uh, easily, Governor McKee could have said, well, I can't cast the vote here because I just got the, his, the guy next to me endorsement. And I come back to, though, Justin, there's no way McKee's not walking into that meeting and voting against it once he accepted the endorsement, which, of course, he did from the labor leader. So there's, there's nothing about this that sounds good. I just wonder these two that they told them to, you know, powder the nose, go for a walk, whatever, and then they just vote, you know, abstain from voting when it could have uh, nailed it. This this thing, you're exactly right. Every couple of years after 38 Studios, is all the cries, we're never going to have let this happen again. And and this thing could be even worse. The, the You know, 38 Studios was $60 million. This is at least $60 million. Channel 12 on now could be as high as $100 million. The Paw Sox left town because we wouldn't come up with $22 million. But I have a problem with, you know, the voting on the board and just to me in a situation like that, abstaining from voting is actually like a vote. Yes, because then it allowed Governor McKee to come in and cast that deciding vote. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, uh, the the abstaining, uh, I don't know the circumstances of the lawyer. Um, it's possible there was a, a conflict there, which you'd want some to, somebody to abstain. Although you make a great point. Maybe the governor should abstain if he's yeah. being endorsed by a major advocate. I think there we're seeing the, the big difference that's between 38 studios and this is this has this big construction piece, which brings the unions into it. It makes them a, a money and job grab for them. That's right. And that's, that's who runs the state. I mean, it's just, it's just the way it is. And so is. we're not going to, we're not going to see another 38 studios here because there's no way the government's going to let this fail. It's going to get built. It may fail as a business venture. It may never, right. <clears throat> it may never host a game. It may, it may become just another open space that, that nobody uses. Who knows? But because there are construction jobs uh, for the unions, this will this will be, become a reality, and that's why I I think that's one of the reasons why it was right for the the Paw Sox deal to go down because you can't you just can't get involved in these sorts of deals. The state's just way too corrupt. It's just so, and it's it's there's no as you say, it's <clears throat> Nee was sitting next to McKee on his critical yeah. vote on the day of an endorsement. I just there it's just so in your face. It is. Corrupt, uh, that you know, very, very little chance any business looking at Rhode Island as a possibility, and I don't know if there are any anymore, uh, as a possibility for their ventures. They're just not going to get involved because you have to, you you need this sort of corrupt uh, hand washing, mutual hand washing to be going on in order to make anything happen. And if you don't have that, the other guy will come and take your business away because because the unions will get the governor to subsidize them. I mean, it's just, it, it's it's bad all around. And I, I fear we're going to get to where, you know, the, the economy is just going to keep getting worse in Rhode Island. The money's just not going to be there and it's going to be a, a bailout. 
We're going to have a big empty stadium that we spent tens of dozens of scores of millions of dollars on. Uh, and, and we're going to have to do something with it. They'll say, because we can't have this light in our, in our, in our cities or something to that effect. And it's, yeah, it's, it's not going in a good direction. Let's just say that. And folks, again, we're speaking with Justin Katz. Our segment is politics this week. Um, So McCoy is still just sitting there empty. Nothing's happened with that. Um, And Justin, just the headline alone, you know, this will be the most expensive soccer stadium, minor league soccer stadium in the country. I I think I'm going to give credit channel. um, I think it's channel 12 has done the most work on this, but you know, those that are against this, it's if someone says, you know what, even though Patriot Place is how far up the road, 20 miles from Pawtucket, I mean, Foxborough, it's so close. That's a major league stadium. You would never build anything, you know, that close. At least Fenway is into Boston. This is literally so close to Foxborough. Why they think people would then, you know, draw, um, you know, that many in in even the attendance figures are being questioned. If if someone said, I think there's a market for this and I want to build it, and, and you know, the amount of Latinos moving into Rhode Island, that's one thing. But, Justin, that would be their decision to build it, not, you know, what people need to understand is the stadium is really not, to me, this project, it's not being built as a minor league soccer stadium. It's really just, it's a gift to labor, as you said. It's union jobs. Uh, it's a no-bid contract because it'll become a public labor agreement. This was the meeting just commerce just a couple of weeks ago when the you know reporter noted Michael Sabatoni just walked through the door. That's you know always an ominous sign that they're keeping their eye on someone. Then he got nailed on the DUI, so he can't go to things like this. But what what do they need him for? Because there's knee sitting. You know you, you could even step back. Why is he even have a seat on the Rhode Island <laughs> Commerce Board? I mean that's even. If we're going to talk about conflicts, what about that conflict? Like, why is it a conflict for the attorney? Because his firm one time represented the owners of this. Or I think it was a firm he had been with. Uh, You know, that they're very strict on a conflict. I I think you would argue with Governor McKee and George Nee, it's a complete conflict that they're sitting on the board and casting these votes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, I mean, this was, that was an ethics ruling, uh, I don't know, a dozen, 15 years ago, right? That labor union people, teachers, for example, can be on a board and vote for their union because it affects everybody equally, right? That was how they slipped through that one. I mean, look, I've followed George Nee on these boards for a long time and he, you know, there's always, there's always something, 38 studios, there are emails of him trying to get a, I think a Nisa job or something, you know, there's, he's, he's in involved in all of those. This is the, this is the currency of Rhode Island corruption is seats on these boards, the ability to hand out jobs, you know, like the convention center, for example, he's on that one too. It's just, this is, he's, he's really a behind the scenes at the top of the pyramid of Rhode Island corruption. And that's the, why is he even on a board? Why doesn't he have to recuse? It's, it's a good question. And you know, you could see Tidewater, as you say, if, if somebody thinks there's a market for this, great, you know, go for it. You know, I'd even advocate getting government out of the way with the red tape and a nimble Right. And all that. I would be on their side for that if they were investing their own money and thought there was a market. But you could see this just becoming essentially one of those, you know, one of those little uh, turf indoor arenas that the kids play indoor soccer in year round. Sure. You, know, you see this becoming something like that without any kind of major attractions or anything, just a park with another one down the road in, at McCoy Stadium. Right. If they figure out can't figure out what to do with that. So, yeah, it's just a it's just a handout. It's just something for them to say they're doing something for the economy and doing some kind of you know there's a lot of criticism you you go to boston there there are cranes everywhere rhode island providence not so much uh this gets construction it makes it feel like something's happening there's a lot of political reasons to want something like this which is why to bring it back to the beginning you don't subsidize it first of all and you definitely don't subsidize it on a tie-breaking vote from a governor who just received the endorsement of the the top labor union guy in the the state i mean it's just you know it's the kind of thing that one day if somebody writes a history about corruption in rhode island this will be one of the examples they use as a 
been for all right. of the other. This is this is just so representative of how things are done here. And you know, shame on McKee for participating in that. Although at this point, uh, it's not really surprising. I mean, no. recently said in an article when the NEA, uh, the teachers union endorsed him. Uh, one of my first calls when I became governor was to the NEA. Well, of course it was. You know, yeah. it's, it's such an indication of having sold your soul. Yeah. Uh, that at this point, it's it shouldn't be surprising. And frankly, he he definitely at this point deserves to lose. Yeah. I agree. Unfit. He's not even he wasn't even elected governor and he may not even win the primary. And they just stuck with the stadium that to me, it's not about a soccer stadium. Of course, it doesn't make sense. It's not about that. It's about giving the unions the gift to build a one hundred fifty million dollar project that they wouldn't get somewhere else. That's like the Wickford train station. Of course, that garage is way too big. It wasn't about that. It was a gift to labor. Here's we got fifty million dollars no big contract go ahead what's the biggest garage you can build with 50 million we can build six stories all right then build that but just keep the money it's not it's not about whether or not it makes sense it's about the most expensive project to give to the unions as as a gift folks quick break much more ahead politics this week with justin katz managing editor anchorising.com right here on the john DePietro show home again consignment Located Governor Francis Shopping Center, fine furniture, art, antiques, glassware, jewelry, buy, sell, or sell in consignment, and estate sales are provided. It's Home Again Consignment. Call John, 401-463-3310. Again, located right in Warwick in the Governor Francis Shopping Center, Home Again Consignment. Our segment is Politics This Week. With me is Justin Katz, Managing Editor anchorising.com justin speaking of endorsements last week let's go to the list first of all mckee getting teachers union afl cao to me the fact he's getting the endorsement from the teachers union is the cats again think of this we are right next door next door to the state that is considered to have the best public school system in the country in massachusetts we're nowhere near that um the fact that he came away from those granted it is big for a democrat primary but that, to me, is an example of two endorsements that are not good for the taxpayers. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. I mean, that's as I said, it, it, it's a it's a soul selling exercise to get those union votes. Here's our demand. I mean, it's it, there's, it's actually it's corrupt, but it's kind of remarkably clean. Right? It's, here's our demands. You follow them, we'll endorse you. It's that simple, Mr. Governor. It is. Just, yes. You know, and that's what it is. And, and at this point, I mean, it's worse than just especially once the NEA gets involved. I mean, so the labor unions are at least they're creating jobs, like the AFL-CIO building construction kind of stuff. At least they're making directly jobs and they're building something. There's, you know, there's got to be some ancillary benefits thrown off from that. But the, the NEA, the teachers union, they do nothing productive. Zero. Yeah. And the, all they do is hurt. They hurt the students. And they're also progressive activist organizations that yes. you know, always find every far left measure that that pushes our state farther and farther to the off the cliff to the left. That you, taking these endorsements is just it's just an indication that you really don't don't care. You just want to win. Of course, yes. I saw mentioned in one of the articles about the endorsement that his wife is a teacher and was as a lifelong member of the NEA. So maybe, it, maybe it shouldn't be surprising. And again, here he is. Where, where's the recusal? At what point are you not That's right? What point are you supposed to say, you know, what? I'm just too in bed with this evil organization. I, I'm going to take a pass on this. But at this point he's, he's flailing in his, in the primary and he needs yep. something. And frankly, he knew it from the beginning. And it, which makes you wonder about the original, you know, that original call I just mentioned where he came in office and called the NEA right off the bat. Yep. Uh, it makes you wonder if that was the right strategy. What if another, in another universe, Dan McKee comes in and says, you know what, we're going to do things more rationally. We're going to do things that work for Rhode Islanders, not for these special interests. We might be in a very different place. And, and it'll, you know, if it doesn't, if it doesn't get him over the finish line in the primary or the, the general election, it serves him right. Um, but, but there, there was another path and, and, this one is not good for Rhode Island when your governor is just a fully owned agent of the labor unions. And Justin Katz, you know what else is? There's, there's some promise. As you say, they say, if we'll give the endorsement and then they have their shopping list. And if you will do A, B, and C. Now, as far as Governor Amundo in 2018, raised some eyebrows when then they were kind of backing her, which they certainly weren't. 
in 2014, they recruited Clay Pell to run against her in the primary. So we wondered, okay, so they're working with her against Matt Brown. What is she, what do they get in exchange? And then we found out, if you remember, in the spring of 2019, which was the Evergreen provision and that she would not veto that. So that was the deal that was put in place. We'll give you the endorsement if you'll let Evergreen, you know, pass. And then therefore, because we could certainly jam it through the General Assembly. And then that way, the contracts never end. So with Governor McKee, it's it's a little bit of like a, a game of like what's in the box. Like, OK, so like what did he give away this time that we have to then wait to find out? Because they don't tell us up front. It's a matter we have to then wait. And then, you know, you go back to when the, the first thing he did was give the Providence teachers the $3,000 raises. And that led to $3,000 bonuses, excuse me, bonuses, I should say, to all the state workers and the judges and everything else. But what I also find is what, what are, are they going to get in return? Should he win the primary and then win the general? Um, there, there's a bill that's going to that's going to come due. And now we have to wait to see. If he wins the primary, if he wins the general, and then we'll find out what it was that he promised them in order to make it happen. Yeah, you know, and, and there's not much more they can get I mean, at this point. They, they, they've they kind of run the gamut. It's sort of like when we talk about abortion. Like how much more can the radicals get in Rhode Island? Uh, that's where the NEA is right now. I'm, I'm worried it's something like uh, they talk about this constitutional amendment of a right to education, which is really really just a constitutional amendment of a right to never ending funding for government right government yes. education uh, and which is probably a, i mean that would be devastating for education in Rhode Island and for taxpayers and the economy but that it's probably something on that order you know honestly i, I i'll hand it to raimondo at least you know that was a probably a defined ask okay we want evergreen all right let me balance this against all my interests i'll give you evergreen you know that yeah. so this i i'm not that confident that mckee is even that savvy to no. have a defined no. ask it could just be whatever you want whatever you want any yeah. i will do it and it may just be an open check it may not be what's in the box it may be uh, just a big open-ended blank check of you're going to be ours for the next four years. I mean, that, yeah. uh, of course, once he's in there, I, I guess uh, he could, he could try a different strategy and, and renege on his promises, but yeah. that well for him and uh, yeah. it's not worth considering. So I, I think we we've seen enough that anybody responsible. Oh, yeah. say, you know what? I just don't know what I'm getting with this governor. I just know it's not, he's not proving to be very competent and not, and he's, you know, he's got investigations of his own for the FBI. And maybe I should maybe I should put this one aside here. Now, uh, also, Justin Katz, last week, Helena Folks, uh, candidate for governor, Democrat primary. She received the endorsement. We we'll want to hear your thoughts. She got uh, had a press conference and got the endorsement from Mayor Lorza. Uh, again, Providence certainly comes into play in a Democrat primary. Patrick Kennedy, Mayor Lorza. She had a couple other people, Miriam Goodwin. That's a Raimondo person. Uh, Joe Almeida, who's running against Tierra Mac. But what is your thoughts on um, Helena Folks receiving the Patrick Kennedy endorsement and then also the the endorsement, more importantly, of uh, Providence Mayor Jorge Lorza? Well, I mean, it's, it certainly sh shows people people are throwing some weight behind her because she has at least staying power, right? You're not saying, for example, Matt Brown getting endorsements. This is no. somebody who, and it, it's it's as much a statement in some cases, especially with the Lorza, it could be as much a statement of, of antipathy to McKee as support for folks. I mean, they they had that infamous blow up oh, where, yeah. where Lorza was threatening, in, well, talk, yelling in a threatening manner at the governor early on about the teacher's contract in Providence. Um, which, right you know, like, so, he, by the yeah, way. Exactly, yeah, exactly. I mean, the behavior was bad, but the point was good. And and folks has made education something. I wasn't impressed with their plan, but it, she's at least put that front and center. Uh, so, but it, but you could see Alorza sitting there and going, you know what? If I want to hurt McKee, yeah. I will. Folks is the way to go because the and as we've been discussing over the past few weeks and the last couple of polls, uh, that's probably where she's drawing her votes from him. And uh, so if you don't like McKee, endorsing folks is a way, even if she doesn't win, of, of helping to make sure that he doesn't either, uh, which is why it was interesting to see uh, Republican Ashley Callis's people uh, kind of diminishing Elorza and, and minimizing the effect of his endorsement. Uh, I'm not sure how much weight he carries with the with the 
intended audiences, but uh, but that was a strong signal that they they kind of want McKee, and, and why wouldn't you if you're Ashley Callis? As we as you pointed out last week, folks is kind of like the the Democrat version of her in some ways. Oh yeah. And so <clears throat> that's that'll make it much harder for the Republican to win. Uh, so I think that's this was it was. Loza's endorsement and the others is bad news, bad news for McKee, not the least because it shows he doesn't he doesn't have any friends except the ones, as we were just talking about, that he can buy, basically. Uh, And that's that's not a good position for him to be in. I think it's also significant, uh, Justin Katz, that he didn't endorse Nellie Gorbea. Uh, A lot of people might say just identity politics. Right. She's the other. She's a Latino Latina in the race. Um, Lawyers who were seen as progressive. I, I think it's an interesting endorsement. I also think it's a big win for her uh, because you wouldn't think that. Or Matt Brown, big progressive, you would think, all right, Alorza, uh, she doesn't live in Providence. You know, her family lives on the was from the east side, but she lives in Narragansett. I, I think that was a win for her because her polling numbers are showing she's not doing well minority communities in Providence. And to me... That, you know, that took some work to get him on board, get him to do it. I, if someone had asked me who did I think that he would endorse, never McKee, but I would have guessed that he would have endorsed Nelly Gorbea. So to me, this shows Helena folks. You know, I'm always impressed by people that say, OK, where are we hurting? We're hurting with, in this case, it's the minority vote in Providence. Who could help us with that? And you know what? A sitting mayor right now. And as much as people knock him and some people say, oh, forget it now, I don't think they understand. He was elected uh, mayor twice. He's still the mayor of Providence, which certainly at least, you know, could maybe help keeping things a little bit on the up and up in this election. I think that was a very strategic of her to seek out his endorsement and get it. And what do you make, Justin Katz, that he he did? Uh, oh, that Dr. Monez, he could have endorsed him or or Matt Brown or Nelly. I think, if anything, that shows me she's really willing to do what it takes to try to win this race. Right. And well, I think that's one of the bigger I mean, I'm sure the identity politics is important in the Democrat primary, but I think that's one of the at this point. She, I think she may have surprised people with how well she was doing uh, comparatively. Mm. And so at this point, something like starting to pull in these relatively high profile endorsements uh, could start to give her an air of, of viability uh, where, where donors and endorsements and support starts to kind of lean her way. And it makes the key less and less of a, a necessary option if you don't necessarily want a far left progressive or, or for whatever reason, you don't like Nelly Gorbea. I mean, she, it gives her that, might give her that edge to overtake him in the polls. You know, if she starts getting these kind of establishment kind of endorsements and I, I so i think that's that's probably a significant part of it and it, you know it occurred to me while you're pointing that out that so she made the decision probably to get a Lorza's endorsement and we, as you're we just saying there's a lot of quid pro quo and it reminded oh, me yeah. of when when Alorza was running for mayor there was that yeah. thing with, with smiley yep. and he, he lo and behold he gets a job in the Alorza administration right. so so it'll, it'll be interesting to watch, you know, if folks does succeed and become governor, what role there is for Jorge Alorza and her administration. Or you promise to make him a judge or something, you know, uh, I mean, there's other things doesn't have to be like that. One of the last note on this before we take a quick break and, you know, Patrick Kennedy, again, you know, that's a big name. There are some people that still have a big, you know, he was very popular when he was around in an office. He was the king. He was uh, just another level than everyone else because of his name and who he is. You know, I, I don't think I, I thought he also had a good line. If, if it unless you want just status quo, you know, she will break the status quo. Um, I, I That's worth something. It's not as worth as much as it once was. But there are different pockets. I think he could help her against some of that. Like, let's face it, Governor McKinney's mother, they're talking, they think they're the Kennedys. So it's the whole Irish Catholic New England thing. Um, that could maybe help him in certain, help her maybe in certain pockets. I don't know if they do a bailer. I don't know how much more he's going to do. But I, that, that wasn't, that was, uh, that was a nice little extra thing. Again, she went out, saw it. It'd be very easy for him to maybe either stay out of it or maybe uh, go with, someone like a, a, a Matt Brown or, or Nelly or maybe even a McKee, but uh, Patrick, well, go ahead. I, I think, it, I think it indicates as with the Lords, it's, it's kind of strategic thinking on her campaign's part. Yeah. I mean, 
if she if if our theorizing is correct and she's sort of drawing from you know, the the more moderate republic uh, democrats yep. and, and you know the ones who who want somebody who can get business done you know, old school democrats let's get a kennedy right? let's line up a kennedy and yes. this this she'll change the status quo that kind of language is very 1960s 50s kennedy-esque right i mean yep. just just young the young president at the time you know that's kind right. of the legacy camelot all that stuff uh, so i it's it's almost you know just let's all right we got alorza for trying to strengthen our, our flank on a minority front uh we're we're now let's look on the aggressive front we're, we're eating away at mckee's vote among the older democrats where he's still got some sway just as an incumbent and an old you know cumberland guy uh let's let's get somebody who can help us with that and there you go you've got a you've got a kennedy so i i don't know how much the name is worth at this point uh, but but in a certain constituency that older democrat fond memories of the 60s and and jfk that might be that might might be helpful in that regard well, and he, he won in 1994. He ran for Congress, and he held that seat till 2010. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in the northern part of the state, you know, he still had a, has a lot of sway. It's also interesting. He was in office when McKee was the mayor of Cumberland, and he didn't, he didn't go with him. So I, I think it's, it's a win. By the way, I also, before we take a break, Ashley Kalis' response, I thought it, w- it was a weak response to the Elorza saying, we're not surprised. They both love corporate war. Well, uh, Excuse me. We're not surprised they both love meaning folks in Alorza. They both love corporate welfare. That that's not a line that most voters are going to know what what you're talking about. Say something like that. I, then they went on and expanded about ATVs in the city, the safety of the city. But I, I, I think if if someone's using the term corporate welfare, they don't understand that. I would nine out of ten voters don't even know what that means, and so I'm not. I, I, the wording of that, I, to me, they were just caught off guard. I, I didn't think that that was a very effective response. But all right, folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Justin Katz, politics this week, right here on the John DePietro Show. The next time you have an emergency, head straight to AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122 in Johnston, or East Greenwich 5750 Post Road. AtMed Urgent Care. Urgent health care facility providing comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals, families, specializing in ambulatory medicine, diagnostic treatment service, AtMed Urgent Care. They provide immunization, school, sports physicals. They're a cost-efficient health care alternative to hospital-based emergencies. They're open seven days a week, walk-in routine urgent care, minor surgical, orthopedic and trauma, work-related injuries, physical exams, drug testing, full laboratory services, and with AtMed Urgent Care, they offer mononuclear antibody infusions. You, someone in your family suffering from COVID, you want to go straight to AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, Johnston, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122, or East Greenwich, 5750 Post Road, online at atmedurgentcare.com. Net. Our segment is politics this week. With me is Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorrising.com. Justin, um, last week, the Providence Journal did a story on this child advocate who uh, apparently Governor McKee, his office sent out uh, an email that they needed recommendations for someone that might be, be doing this. And he and his, uh, he or his staff or him, he, they erupted at this. He called the last minute press conference and there's video where he's going after the Providence Journal reporter and you got this wrong and that's not it. And and uh, it was really extraordinary. I, I don't remember. I mean, he's already really at war with Channel 12. But what is your reaction to McKee and the way he went after the Providence Journal? Well, I, th- I think that in itself is an indication of he's. He's on pins and needles, I think, with, yeah. with his campaign. I mean, it's just he anything bad. He's taking it personally. He's he's going on the attack. Don't give me bad press. This is not a good time. You know that that kind of thing. And to some extent, you know, he he does have a point. The original article, uh, there there really was no story as that I can see in the original article, yeah. except that maybe this uh, representative Carol McEntee or maybe somebody else saw an opportunity for to make a political hit and Projo went right along. So he does kind of have a point there. Uh, it does not. His attitude though does not does not instill confidence in his leadership, especially the fact they're saying uh, so. So the 
the summary of the story is the this child health advocate uh, was on medical leave and just the general process uh, she they have to do a committee to see if they they reassign her or find somebody else and that just happened to be bad timing while she was in the hospital so her his administration is saying we didn't know she was in the hospital it, which again you know it, it's a small thing and most people probably wouldn't pick up on it but you know, okay well how important is this position a and how much attention are you paying to your administration b if you didn't know this person was in the hospital exactly I mean, yeah that's the for a week i mean it's just, you know all right that's not a you've got a good point this is just the process and the Pro- providence journal shouldn't be used as an attack dog for people anybody who can find any kind of hook for a political uh, lunge um, but to say we didn't know it's just so so his response as, as so often with him, it's just even when he, he has a reasonable point, he just does not seem like a reasonable person who's in, in charge of his position. It just does. He doesn't come across well at all and should probably therefore just avoid. You probably take the hit and keep walking because you just dig out your own hole. Well, they, they claim they weren't getting the type of response they wanted from the Providence Journal. Um, but, Justin, I, I view it as number one. The journal just doesn't carry the weight they once did. So I, I thought it was an overreaction. And okay, so like how many people even saw it? Some might it's during the week. It was a one-off. Uh, he was upset they wouldn't run a correction. But I think the more damage, I mean, to call a press conference that day to lay them out, I view it as, you know, maybe you won the battle, but you're going to lose the war. But I think also, I believe he has to be careful because the rest of the media watched that. And in some way, I think he was almost like trying to make an example. You go back to the question he was you know, asked at the press briefing about the FBI. And then there's this whole thing of, you know, when you come up empty, who's going to have the courage? I don't think he's the type that serves him well, you know, to, to go completely to war against the media. Um, I, I don't think so. And it, it's not. To me, it's not like you're just taking a shot at the journal. Everybody else is watching this. He's already he's had, you know, certainly some back and forth with Channel 12 and in some ways kind of blames them almost for the FBI looking into the ILO contract. And what's also kind of funny is Peter Narona, uh, the attorney general, did an interview and said one of the reasons sometimes they have looked into certain things like Tony Silva was because there was so much press about it. So that certainly doesn't, you know, help the situation. But I, I, that was pretty extraordinary. Uh, he was coming back from Newport demanding, I want a press conference at three o'clock and I'm going to lay them out. Um, th- this is someone that, you know, at times have been difficult to find and get on camera. He was AWOL when the stuff about the FBI probe uh, came out. I, I think uh, he may have been in the right. He may, that may have been a, a cheap shot article but i i thought it was a, a strong overreaction and as you and i know the media they tend to be a club and they're watching what happened to one of their you know colleagues in the fact in the form of the journal i i thought it was an overreaction uh, well, certainly and, and as a as a citizen i watch this and think is this what you're focusing on yeah. all day I mean, so you're governor you're also running for office which is eating up a lot of your time and you're you're sitting there stewing about an article in the Providence Journal. I mean, it's just it doesn't show a level of, of maturity, basically. Right. I mean, instead of just a statement saying it's not right, that's not what happened. We didn't realize, blah blah blah. Just the element of calling the press briefing. That was um. That's the the first time that I can recall that he's done something like that, and he was really really aggressive, um, going after Tom Mooney, uh, the Providence Journal, the uh, reporter that wrote the article afterwards. And kept repeating to him, saying, you got it wrong. Now, there was the Channel 12 had their first debate kicked it off over the past over the weekend. And it was the Democrat candidates for lieutenant governor, Cynthia Mendez, and also uh, Deb uh, Ruggiero and then Sabina Matos. What did, what, what did you think of the Channel 12 newsmakers debate, Justin Cass? Well, what strikes me is they're, I mean, they're very close on all the policy issues, but the the presentation and attitude, particularly from Mendez, is what strikes me. And I thought it was interesting in the, in the WPRI's write-up of it, they didn't mention this moment, but the Projo picked up on it. At one point, she says, the other two women are being obedient to the men in charge. Like, that's yeah. an aggressive line. That is, is a very aggressive line. I mean, it made me think of Ted Nisi said, oh, Ashley Callis, the first 
the first attack ad of the season. And yet this is just, Oh, she's the most aggressive or however they put it. Uh, you know, that that's, a, there, it feels kind of like the, you know, Tierra Max attitude, just this dismissiveness, this immaturity, the, just the attack on anybody who's even slightly to your, to your political right. Maybe. I mean, it, it's just uh, the, the, the progressives in, in Rhode Island politics are, are not people you can work with no. if you're say, and I, so I, I would hope, I, I guess we're starting to see mild signs, although I can't think of an immediate, um, I guess Senate majority, uh, Senate president, um, Ruggiero uh, is, has been going after progressives, but they're really just not, they're not playing nicely and they, they not the type of people who can cooperate with others. That's, that was really kind of my my takeaway and and also the to our discussion about whether the news media is afraid of tiara mac um the idea that mendez is out there to calling him obedient to men and and that that uh, wpri didn't play that up in their coverage because it was a newsworthy line yeah. uh, that i think reinforces my interpretation and it's not so much that they're afraid of tiara mac and these others it's that they they actually agree with them and they're on their side um, what do you think of uh, Lieutenant Governor Sabina Matos? When when people see her, it's usually very short if they see her, and she's with the governor. But just her standing alone, I'm going to say it, Justin, and I know it's been discussed in the past, uh, and, and, and I know she's even sensitive about it. But for those that don't know her that well, she has a very strong accent. I mean, that is a very strong, thick accent. I'll be honest. There are times I couldn't understand what she was saying and it's the first time we've seen her in a setting where everything can't be rehearsed line. She has to react to things. She's saying things off the cuff. Uh, she hasn't had a chance to practice certain things. I, I found I, I'm willing to bet that a lot of people have not heard her before, that that was an eye opener, simply because you're also with two people who virtually have no accent. But, you know, I think she's admitted English is her second language. Um, I just wonder how much that really plays when you get outside of Providence. Yeah, and that's that's a good question, and I, I think that's the the balance that that McKee was trying to figure out when when he selected her, right? Yeah. The, that you know maybe Diosa would have been more, I guess, polished as a politician sure. uh, for for a broader audience, but maybe she, I, I you know, she's she was on a city council in, in Providence, she's got some sway there. And there are some people in, in a Democrat constituency who, who that might even be a, a plus, you know, the genuineness of it. And, and so I, I don't know how it'll on balance, how it'll play, but it does make me think, you know, when you do watch something like that, as we were just discussing McKee, where he, he needs to shore up and hold on to that kind of older Democrat uh, and, and just, Putting aside any all of the you know, progressives would probably jump on a racial angle, but just just p the presentation of trying to watch a debate and having trouble understanding the candidate is frustrating. Yeah, uh, and so uh, you could see that that very same kind of older older Democrat that folks might be courting with a oh. Kennedy endorsement, saying, you know, mm, you know, I don't think so. I don't think it's a big deal. I don't think anybody's going to change their votes over it, but it does start to change change the you know your the feeling toward an administration where yes. you, you just, you, it's frustrating and it's difficult to understand what the person's saying, even if it's, even if she agrees with everything, it's just, it's, it, it just gives a sort of a, a, a feeling and a sensation to interacting with the administration that, that probably isn't helpful. But again, I don't, I don't know that it's, it's that big a deal, uh, especially in a Democrat primary, but, uh, but it is, it is something that, that you're right to pick up on. And uh, finally uh, it has come out that apparently I don't know if it's locked down yet, but uh, speaker in waiting, Kevin McCarthy, put out saying he's going to be going all over the country, helping people, you know, in bids for Congress and raising money. And we haven't heard anything from the fun campaign. But one of the places that he mentions is that he's coming to Rhode Island. Um, do you think is that does that help Fung if that happens? Does it hurt him? We don't know that the Fung people could have circled back and said, hey, we appreciate it. But it could actually bring more negative attention. I, I think. Um, well, I want to hear your thought. I, I just the local media. I just wonder how they would treat a Kevin McCarthy coming in. I think they could end up being protesters. I don't know if that's the imaging that the Fung. I mean, I'm impressed that he'd come in for for Alan Fung, but I don't know if that's the press the Fung people want. Yeah, no, that's a good question. It's it's a very sticky situation for yeah. Fung. I mean, I 
I mean, Dan McGowan in Boston Globe had an article recently, and and I like Dan, and I think he's one of the more fair reporters in Rhode Island. But it, the whole thing was practically Dan saying, um, "All right, Mr. Fung, tell me something controversial that'll upset your base yeah. <laughs> or upset Democrats in the state." I mean, it was it was almost like a, a it was not the sort of thing you'd ever see with a Democrat. You know, well, tell me something that'll hurt you politically. You know, just it's not. And I think what that indicates is no matter what Fung does, there's going to be a problem, right? Sure. Uh, so I think, I don't know, I think McCarthy probably helps Fung because I think to me, his strongest selling point, and Fung mentioned it in that article as well, is you you should have somebody in the majority. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's yeah. that simple. That's a compelling, and it, I mean, a lot of it, a lot of politics is just, you can't control everything. And, but there is a, there is a way to even, even if radical progressives show up and do a ridiculous protest, there is a way to turn that to your benefit. Right. And I think Republicans in Rhode Island and elsewhere have, have been too soft on that. And I think it's one of the lessons from president Trump is you, you can stand up, you can remind people, Hey, look, this is just this guy's going to be the probably going to be the head of the house in the United yeah. States of America and yeah. here are these wackos out there acting like it's the end of the world. That's that right. is who I'm running against those wackos in the street. I mean there is a way to to finesse that. So I think it's it's on a on a whole it's a plus but I don't think we have to guess how the media is going to treat it. They're not going to treat it like oh Nancy Pelosi visited Rhode Island to give out to collect money from rich people. You know, it's not it's not going to be that smiling happy it's going to be oh mccarthy trump and you know if they think it, if they think it'll hurt fung to split mccarthy from trump they'll do that so i, I you know for the the presentation he's almost got it he's got to prepare for it but he's kind of got to take it out of the calculation because otherwise all he can do is sit on his hands and say i'm just a nice republican don't don't be mean to me which isn't going to work either folks he is the managing editor at anchorising.com it's justin katz justin great job as always things are starting to heat up and we'll talk to you again thank you john it's going to be a fun few months J. Perry Paving. Folks, you can depend on J. Perry Paving. They provide high-quality, fair-pricing, exceptional service over 20 years' experience, specializing in commercial paving, residential paving, seal-coating patios, and much more. Call them today for a free quote, 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. They are tremendous. They also, how about this, once a month, they provide a free paved driveway to a veteran. And remember, whether it's a brand new paving project or just a cracked driveway that needs to be refreshed, call J. Perry Paving for a free quote. It makes a huge difference in your property, in your home, in your driveway or patio. 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. 401-732-1730. You can also find them on Facebook. They're terrific. Hey, get that driveway paved. Call and book an appointment now, 401-732-1730 for J. Perry Paving. The Senadale Revival. Stop it and see them comfort food and cocktails. You're going to love the Senadale Revival. Located 2025 Smith Street, North Providence, right in Senadale, right across from North Providence Town Hall. Delicious food, delicious drinks, live entertainment on the weekends. Shane and his crew, they're waiting for you. A great time is going to be had by all at the Senadale Revival, 2025 Smith Street in North Providence.